What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Run the Damn Pod. I'm your host, Jordan. Love to say that I'm joined today, as always, by Darth Cowboy, but I am not. Unfortunately, my man's is sitting in storage right now, but he'll be back with me soon. We'll be reunited and the pod will be whole again, but college football season has started. Week zero and week one are now complete, so I have no excuse, Darth Cowboy or not, but to jump into things. We're going to break down a whole lot of info today, a whole lot of action from over the weekend today. I'm going to start with a new segment. I'm going to predict the college game day location for next week. You guys are going to get through with me live, and I am going to see, well, not live. You'll be hearing this after I record it, but I'm going to be pulling up the schedule as I record this and seeing where I think college game day will go next. Obviously, for week two, they've already announced that they're going to Austin, Texas for the Bama-Texas game, so I'll be picking for week three. Fun little segment. We'll see how that goes throughout the season. Then I'm going to jump into my UGA breakdown, see how the game went for Georgia, best offensive player, best defensive player, and a quick look into next week. Then we're going to go CFB-wide, so if you're not a Georgia fan, bear with me. You can fast-forward five minutes, or you can just listen to five minutes of me blowing smoke up Georgia's ass, whatever you want to do. But we're going to get into the best game of the week after that from across the country. We're going to get into the player of the week from across the country. Then we're going to check the stock market, see the teams that I, or teams, players, performances that I am buying and selling. And then I'm going to go with my picks for next weekend. So to set things up, let's go into week three here and see where I think college game day is going to go for week three. So some of the marquee matchups that we've got on the docket, I hesitate to call this a marquee matchup, but it is a bigger matchup than I think most would anticipate it to be. Georgia versus South Carolina in Columbia. Historically, a very tough place to play. South Carolina could conceivably be ranked at that point in time. Georgia will obviously be a number two team in the country, unless something should happen against Samford, which I don't foresee. Could always happen, though. And then, you know, aside from that, the rest of the week... Looks a little bit pedestrian, although I will say, now that I'm looking at it, Miami-Texas A&M is in week three. Like I said, I'm scrolling through this as I'm speaking to you guys, so Miami-Texas A&M is probably where game day is going to go. That's a 9 o'clock game on ESPN, primetime game. That would be my prediction. Sleeper pick, though, would be Georgia-South Carolina, but I reckon SEC Nation will probably attend that game. So my college game day prediction for week three is going to be College Station for Miami versus Texas A&M. That should be a great game. Looking forward to that one. So we'll see how I do on that prediction. So moving on into our breakdown of the UGA game. Guys, I really don't know what else to say other than Georgia looks good. I mean, I was blown away by this performance from the offense and from the defense. Let's start with the offense. Stetson Bennett coming back, having a full offseason as being the guy, still had a lot of questions going into this offseason. From myself personally, coming into this season, I had a lot of questions about Stetson Bennett. Is he going to be able to improve off of last year's performance where he ends on the mountaintop, college football playoff national champion, leads his team to victory. And honestly, a lot of people would have made the case, myself included, that Georgia won that game and won that national championship. Not in spite of him, necessarily, because I don't think that gives him enough credit, but more so on the back of the defense than Stetson Bennett. However, you know, like you said, tons of experience coming back this offseason. He's a sixth-year senior. 
He has the range this year. You knew he was the starter when he came back. Again, like I said, did he, you know, make a mistake going out on the mountain? He should have, should he have gone out on the mountaintop, transferred, declared for the draft, cut his losses, whatever? A lot of those questions needed to be answered. Stetson Bennett came out on Saturday and answered those questions with an exclamation mark. I personally have to shut up. I have to apologize. I'm one of the haters. Stetson Bennett played with his hair on fire. The offense around him had an awesome game. He distributed the ball well. Kenny McIntosh, our starting running back, led the team in receiving with 117 receiving yards. Bennett racks up 368 yards, two touchdowns through the air, and a rushing touchdown on top of that. A.D. Mitchell got involved. Brock Bowers got involved. Darnell Washington got involved. Lad McConkey had two touchdowns. The offense did not miss a beat. Looked much better than last year, which, honestly, I don't think I necessarily would have expected. Losing George Pickens, losing Jamari Sawyer, losing a good portion of your offensive line, not to mention your two leading rushers in Dalvin Cook, or sorry, James Cook, and Zamir White. Funny story, I actually called James Cook Dalvin to his face one time, so not the first time I've made that mistake. Unfortunate. But, again, you lose a lot of talent and a lot of production on offense, and really, not even did Georgia not miss a beat, they look to have improved on offense, which is a really scary prospect, especially when you roll into the defensive side of the ball. This is where you had a lot of question marks coming into the season. Nobody, I don't think, expected Georgia to regress to the level of a mediocre or below average defense, but I think the expectation was, and still may be to a degree, that Georgia regresses kind of to the mean, maybe a bit of above average, a 14 to 17 point per game kind of defense. Against what was supposed to be a high-octane, experienced Oregon offense, they gave up three points in their first game of the season, replacing their starting safety, replacing probably the greatest defensive tackle to ever come through the University of Georgia, and Devontae Wyatt. I was speaking of Jordan Davis, not to mention Devontae Wyatt, who was also a first-round pick, replacing three starting linebackers and your number one in B corner, 1A corner, in Darian Kendrick. Georgia replaced so much experience on the defensive side of the ball, started a lot of young guys, a couple of true freshmen, Michael Williams and Malachi Starks, both started as true freshmen coming out of the gate there in that game. And Georgia didn't miss a beat. Again, gave up three points to an experienced opponent who has familiarity with Georgia at the quarterback position and at the coaching position, not position, but at head coach. This game should have been so much closer than it was. I was betting Oregon. I didn't bet, but I was betting Oregon to cover the 17-point spread. Didn't matter. The defense showed up, played lights out, took a couple series to get their feet under them and gave up some yards, but held when it mattered, gave up three points on the day. Can't say enough about the performance on both sides of the ball from Georgia. Best offensive player of the game for me, Stetson Bennett. Like I said, 368 yards, two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Doesn't get any better than that. Best game of his career, I think. That was an unbelievable performance from Bennett. Silence the haters. Let's just see if he can build off of it from here. But, again, I'm going to eat my crow here. Stetson did a great job. Look forward to seeing what he does the rest of the season. Best player on defense. 
I don't know how you go with anybody other than Malachi Starks. The defense played a great game across the board, but at 19 years old, a true freshman starting his first ever college football game against a top 12, number 11 opponent, Malachi Starks led the team in tackles with eight and sealed a highlight reel pick on his second series, I think, second career series, third career series. That is remarkable. Showed unbelievable poise. Also broke up a pass near the end zone. in sticky glue coverage. I'm going to tell you guys, this kid is 19 years old. He's a true freshman. And he may be George's best defender at this point in time. I mean, you've obviously got guys like Nolan Smith, Jamon DeMoss Johnson, Keely Ringo. But Malachi Starks looked like an absolute animal. From tackling, to coverage, to vision, maturity. Dude looks insane. That's my number one player on defense for this week. See how it goes next week. Next week, we tune-up game against Samford before taking on South Carolina in Willie B in Columbia, South Carolina in week three. No, that's going to be a tough game, but hopefully a good tune-up depth analysis kind of game here against Samford. So we'll see how that goes. That'll do it for my Georgia breakdown, guys. Like I said, thanks for bearing with me. Ten minutes worth of talking about Georgia. Now, if you've stuck with me for this long, going to get into the action across the country. This was an unbelievable opening weekend of college football. From the marquee matchups like Notre Dame and um, Ohio State to the lower card matchups like App State and North Carolina. If you ask me for the best game of the week, I have a hard time choosing between two. App State, North Carolina being one of them. Unbelievable game. A back and forth game. App State storms out to a 21-7 lead. Carolina storms back, looks like they're going to walk away with it in Boone, and then 62 combined points scored in the fourth quarter. An onside kick returned for a touchdown, two two-minute drives by Appalachian State, and two untimely fail- two-point conversion failures that end up losing App State the game, but still an unbelievable game to watch. That's one of them, and then LSU versus Florida State, obviously. Unbelievable game. Brian Kelly era off to a horrendous start after that special teams performance. Two botched punts, couldn't get anything going on offense. Defense looked okay, but really just an underwhelming performance from LSU, and really an overwhelming performance from Florida State, who looked great in Norvell's third season. I think this is a really premier marquee win for Norvell, something he needed. I know LSU wasn't ranked, but to go into New Orleans and win that game on an ascent, by default, a road game, that was a really impressive win for Norvell and his squad. Jordan Travis looked incredible. And I think that's a sign of good things to come for this Florida State football team. If I'm going to pick between the two as the best game of the week, I've got to go with App State UNC because across the board, I think better football was played in that game. I think the FSU-LSU game came down to mistakes on LSU's end. Very entertaining to watch, still a great game. But I think better football was played in the App State-North Carolina game. And the case could be made, too, that better football was played in the Florida-Utah game and in the Ohio State-Notre Dame games. But all four of those games, absolutely unbelievable. So much fun to watch. Guys, college football is officially back. Week one was awesome, and looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season holds. Getting into my player of the week, going to sound familiar here, but we're going to go with Drake May, quarterback from North Carolina. 
I did consider Stetson Bennett for this. I think Stetson Bennett played the game of his life, but I can't be too much of a homer here, guys. I've got to go with Drake May out of North Carolina simply because he put the team on his back. Stetson Bennett really could have played a poor game, it looked like, and Georgia still probably would have won. Drake May had to put the team on his back to win that game. 352 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown from May. I'm not going to say his Heisman campaign is off to a hot start, but his first season starting as the North Carolina quarterback, following in the big footsteps of Sam Howell, who started for three years, I believe, recently drafted. Drake May looked awesome, lived up to the hype, made some serious plays for a young quarterback, and like I said, lived up to that high four-star billing that he came out of high school with and living up to those expectations off the cuff. So great performance from Drake May. Really impressed by him. And I'm excited to see what's to come for him in the rest of this season and in the rest of his career because he's off to a torrid hot start. So moving on from there, we're getting back into storylines, teams, ideas, players that I'm buying and selling. We're checking the stock market and see who I'm buying into right now and who I'm not buying into, who I'm selling off. So starting off with teams that are hot, teams or players that are on the up and up, I am buying stock in Anthony Richardson. Let me caveat this by saying that the entire media complex has already crowned Anthony Richardson the Heisman favorite. They're already giving him the Heisman trophy, neglecting that C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and Will Anderson and Caleb Williams all still exist. Anthony Richardson had an unbelievable game against Utah. He was very efficient, 17 of 24 passing, I believe, but really shined as a runner, 106 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, and that wild play on the two-point conversion try, if you haven't watched it, go check it out. But I'm going to need everybody to settle down on the Heisman talk. He threw for 168 yards on 17 tries and no touchdowns. He had a really impressive game. He looked very in command of the offense. Billy Napier has a star on his hands, and Anthony Richard has the potential for being a top 10 kind of quarterback. He's kind of silencing some of my doubts about him. He looks good, but punt the brakes on this Heisman talk, guys. I'm buying stock. I'm not buying Anthony Richardson being the Heisman frontrunner. I'm buying Bryce Young, I'm buying C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams. I saw a lot more impressive quarterback performances than I did from Anthony Richardson. I didn't see many more impressive running back performances than I did from Anthony Richardson. But as a whole, I was impressed by Richardson. I'm not ready to crown him the Heisman. I'm not ready to crown him a top five quarterback in college football. Buying his stock selling his Heisman case as of right now. Again, that could change next week. He looked incredible. Napier's got a star. But let's settle down on him being the Heisman frontrunner after barely beating an overrated Utah team with 168 yards passing and no touchdowns. Settle down. Teams that I'm buying, Georgia. I'm buying Georgia right now. I've said it before. I always jinx my team when I start hyping them up. But Georgia dominated from top to bottom on top of a top 12 team in Oregon. An offense that, like I said, looks already better than last year. And a defense that may hold serve after losing basically all of its production from last year. After that week one performance, they knocked Oregon out of the top 25. Case can certainly be made that Oregon was overrated coming into that game. But to beat any team 49-3, to any Power 5 team 49-3, to 
is absolutely insane. Georgia's offense looks complete. Their defense may not have missed a beat. I'm buying Georgia right now. And then last but not least, I know I'm going to get hate for this, but I'm buying Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley made a cowardly move by leaving the Pac-12 and bringing his quarterback with him. But as of right now, he looks pretty smart. After you watch that Oregon-Utah, or after you watch Oregon drop their game to Georgia, after you watch Utah drop their game to Florida in the swamp, USC looks to be on the fast track to win the Pac-12 undefeated and potentially play for the college football playoff. I get it. Lincoln Riley took the coward's way out. He didn't want to play in the Big 12 with teams like Texas, Oklahoma, who were both leaving for the SEC. He didn't want to play with the big boys, and he left for the Pac-12. I get it. It's a cowardly move, but he looks really smart right now. I'm buying his stock. I think I misspoke there saying he didn't want to play with Texas and Oklahoma. He coached at Oklahoma. You guys, give me a break. It's been a long, long season. We're going to do our best to get back on track here. But obviously, like I said, the point stands that Lincoln took the coward's way out of the Big 12, moved to the Pac-12, which has always been a crumbling disaster, will not compete for a title outside of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams at USC. I'm buying Lincoln Riley stock. I hate what he did, but I think he's looking pretty smart right now. So... That's who I'm buying right now. Selling, this is also kind of, I don't know, hypocritical, catch-22, whatever you want to call it. I'm selling the 12-team playoff right now. What I will say for the 12-team playoff format is I like the format. I love that I think it's 8, 9, 10, play a, or 7, 8, 9, play 10, 11, 12 on home campuses. However that works out. I love that they're playing playoff games, meaningful playoff games on campus. I think that's awesome. The energy around that is going to be so much fun. You're going to get some really cool matchups that you wouldn't have had the chance to see otherwise. However, only four to six teams have a legit shot at winning the title every year. If this weekend didn't prove that, I don't know what will. Between the Georgia over Oregon, the Florida over Utah... What you're seeing is the gap between teams number four and five is pretty much the same size as the gap between teams number five or six and 15 or 20. You've really only got six teams, four to six teams in any given year that can actually win the title. You've got your Alabama, you've got your Ohio State, you've got your Georgia, you've got your Clemson. This year you've got Michigan and Notre Dame. Some years you've got, you know, Oklahoma, you've got USC, but you've got anywhere from four to six, maybe eight teams that can win the title. You don't have 12. I just am not buying into this narrative that any team can win the title. I think any team in the top eight has a decent enough chance, and outside the top eight, like I said, you're really not going to see a 9, 10, 11, or 12 seed winning the title. Do I like the entertainment value it brings? Yes. Do I think it really does anything for the parody of college football? No. So we'll see how it all plays out. Like I said, I like the format, but I'm selling the 12-team narrative that that's going to bring more parody to college football and that you're going to see new teams win the titles. I don't think that's the case. I think you're going to see the same four to six, maybe eight teams winning the title year after year. And you're going to have those teams from 9 to 12 complaining that they didn't get a fair shot because they had to play the higher seeds. I'm sorry. That's just how I see it as of right now. And then 
Another narrative that I'm selling is the NC State sleeper hype. I saw a lot of hype this offseason about NC State potentially being a sleeper to win the ACC, compete for a playoff spot, maybe even make it to the national championship game. They bring back a great quarterback. They've got a lot of experience. I might have bought into that hype for a minute here. I like to look my weaknesses in the face and say that, sure, maybe I did dive into that narrative for a second, but I'm selling that right now. NC State barely beat Eastern Carolina on the road, while Clemson, Miami, Wake Forest, and Pitt, to a lesser degree, all handled business against superior opponents. I'm sorry, okay, well, Miami didn't handle business against a superior opponent, but they put up 66 points, so give me a break there. I'm looking at this right now and saying not only is NC State not a sleeper playoff team, not a sleeper ACC contender, NC State may not even be a top four team in the ACC. Those teams I just mentioned, Clemson, Miami, Pitt, and Wake Forest, I think at this point are all head and shoulders above NC State. NC State should have come out of the gate storming with the experience that they brought back. This shouldn't be a team that needs a lot of an adjustment period to get going in this season. Nick Leary, a quarterback, really should have gotten things off to a hot start. I'm not seeing it right now. For me, they may not even be a top four team in the ACC, and I know they're not a playoff contender at this point in time. So I am selling the NC State sleeper hype, and that is going to wrap up my stock report for this week. So now getting into the most exciting part of the segment, we're going to go with my picks for week two. I didn't pick for week one, so I'm not going to give myself a record check there, but my picks for week two, I'm going with Alabama over Texas. We'll say I do think Texas covers the 20-point spread this game in Austin. I don't think it's going to be close, but I do think that Texas covers the spread. I see about a 17-point win for Alabama. Could be wrong there. I'm not betting against the spread here. I'm just picking Bama outright, but I do think that Texas covers. Next, I'm picking South Carolina over Arkansas. I'm picking Wake Forest over Vandy. I have a vested interest in that game because I bet the under on Vandy's win total. They've already hit two. If they win one more, I lose my bet. I have to do a five-minute stand-up comedy routine. I'm not looking forward to that. So, I'm betting on and praying for Wake to beat Vandy. I have Tennessee over Pitt. I think Pitt held their own against an inferior West Virginia team, didn't move in the rankings, I don't believe, or they're still in that 16-17 to 17 range. I'm not buying the pit hype. I think Tennessee is a solid, complete offense, a good enough defense to steamroll over an inferior SEC team, or ACC team, I mean. So I think Tennessee takes that game fairly easily. I'm taking Florida over Kentucky. Like I said, I'm buying into that Anthony Richardson hype. Not as much as I think some people are, but I've been selling Will Levis all offseason. I think Will Levis may be the most overrated player in college football. And Kentucky, while they're a solid team from top to bottom, I j- it took them 20 years to beat Florida once. I just don't think it's happening in back-to-back years. I've absolutely got Florida over Kentucky. I've got Southern Cal, the real USC, over Stanford. I think they're going to make a statement and just keep climbing in the rankings. I do think, you know, the Pac-12... Very weak conference. USC and UCLA are obviously leaving, but as of right now, they're still in the Pac-12, and they are that conference's last hope for a playoff spot. And I think as the season goes on, they're going to submit themselves as, as serious, legitimate contenders for a playoff spot. And then finally, I've got Baylor over BYU. I think BYU is actually favored in that game. 
Um, but I do think that Baylor's going to go on the road and beat BYU. So that is my rundown of week one of college football. Looking forward to week two and the rest of the season. Appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in. As always, go like, share, subscribe, follow. Would love to hear from you guys about your thoughts on the podcast, the blog. So interact wherever you can. And like I said, as always, appreciate you guys tuning in and look forward to getting back with you next week. Go dogs.